1: and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. Welcome to the Nurse Podcast number 922. This episode of the Nerds Podcast brought to you by Loot Crate. They're going to send you stuff. It's going to be epic gear Gamer items, pop culture items. For less than $20 a month, you're going to get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one of a kind items, and more. And then it'll just be your buddy every month that uh, sends you a, a really cool box of stuff of things that uh, you can play with, or own, or put on your body, or put on your wall, or put on your keychain, or look at, or give to someone. You have until the 19th each month at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. When the cutoff happens, it's over. So head to lootcrate.com slash enter the offer code Nerdist, save 10% off any new subscription. They'll ship to Canada, Australia, the UK, more info on their site, and uh, you're going to love it. Previous crates have included uh, Star Wars stuff, Marvel stuff, Walking Dead stuff, Legend of Zelda stuff, many, many, many more. It's all going to be relevant to your interests. so give it a shot. huh? It would be great for the holidays. Give someone the gift. Give yourself the gift. Thanks to Loot Crate for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. If you're going to be in Portland this weekend, uh, I will be at Helium. Doing stand up. My buddy Mike Furman's going to be doing some stuff too. We might do some music together, a little hard and firm stuff. Uh, we'll be at Helium on the seventh, eighth, and ninth of December. So come on out. There's five shows. Uh, I think there's. I think some of them might be sold out. So grab tickets as soon as you can. And now Katie Levine is going to give you some Nerdist Community corkboard business.
2: Yeah, Funny Business is a coffee table book by the photographer Seth. Olenick. I know Seth. Oh yeah. Okay. Did I say his name right? Yes. All right. So it's two hundred and thirty-five pages of portraits of your favorite comedians from the last twenty years of. I think I'm in that. Are you?
1: I think Mike. And well, I then
2: that. people should definitely buy it. it includes a lot of a lot of people like you and you and Mike, David Cross, Judd Apatow, Weird Al, uh, all the people from Upright Citizens Brigade, The State. Um, Yes, yeah, it's hard and firm right here. Daily Show Correspondence. I mean, literally every comic that you probably love is in this book. Normally it is uh, $65, but right now it's $40 with an additional 10% taken off. Anything in the Funny Business store, including other books, prints, puzzles. Uh, when you enter the coupon code Nerdist, he made a coupon code for us. So if you go to funnybusiness.bigcartel.com or just Seth Olenick, and that's O L E N I C K. Uh, the coupon's good until January 1st but if you want the book before Christmas order by the 16th
1: great is there anything else
2: Uh, yeah make sure to check out our other awesome shows on the network Bizarre States is our podcast about hauntings murders and more hosted by uh, Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser the writers panel our in-depth interviews with screenwriters and cashing in is a super funny podcast with Cash Levy and TJ Miller and we have a lot more so find all our podcasts at Nerdist.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app
1: fantastic this episode I'm so excited. Joe Kenda returns to the Nerdist Podcast. First time Joe Kenda was on, I got emails from people that, like, you know, like, like people I genuinely, re- I was really touched, people I genuinely respect who just reached oh, yeah? out and were like, hey, that podcast blew me away. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the power of Joe Kenda. He's so great. He's great. <laughs> Homicide Hunter is uh, currently on. Homicide Hunter with Lieutenant Joe Kenda, a show that Lydia and I have seen every episode of. On current... Investigation Discovery, Se- right? Yes, yeah, Investigation Discovery, season seven, and his new autobiography, I Will Find You Solving Killer Cases from My Life Fighting Crime, which is available now. You know, I, you know, I kind of wondered like, well, gosh, we had him on once and we talked about all these <laughs> things, you know, is there enough other stuff to talk about? And there a thousand percent was. He yeah. is fucking amazing. But I, I love Joe. He came to LA just to do the podcast. And, uh, and he's an incredible individual. So uh, I believe that you will enjoy this just as much as you enjoyed the first one, if not more. Definitely watch the show if you're into true crime shows. And um, there's so much soul behind him and the way that he presents these cases. And he's it's, it's very human. And uh, he's just a great guy. So Joe Kenda, this episode of The Nerdist Podcast, also brought to you by Stamps.com. Uh, it is the holidays, busiest time of year. You have a lot to do on your holiday to-do list. Maybe you don't uh, have time to go to the post office every day.
2: Yeah, it's, there's a lot to do. You have to stay home and wrap all these gifts.
1: Wrap wrap the gifts. Then you're going to print out exactly the amount of postage you want using stamps.com. Uh, it's any letter, any package, any class of mail using your computer or printer. Then your mail carrier picks it up. Maybe throw them a little something on the side for Christmas, (laughs) you know, like give your little mail carrier a little something on the side for for doing this for you and saving you all the trouble. Uh, Stamps.com makes it easy. They're going to send you a digital scale, calculate the exact postage, and then decide the best class of mail every time. Print any time of day. Stamps is always open. Uh, Right now, go to Stamps.com. Get a special offer. Includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. That is very important. No long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click the microphone on the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. That's stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. And now here's the NERDIST podcast number 922 with Joe Kenda, Katie Roll the Thing. My, my, my.
0: Now entering NERDIST.com.
1: almost be signing the books to say, if you kill, I will find you. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll prevent uh, a lot of potential murders just by signing people's books. You never know, because I think, you know, that guy told me. I read that book, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to go do a bunch of murders, and then I read that book, and I realized, yeah, and I you said,
3: know what? Nah, you know. It's just not worth ammunition it. ammunition today is really up. You know, I it's, think I'll
1: pass. It's just, not, it's just not worth it. Yeah, that's right. There's one for you. <laughs> oh, thank wife. you. Thank you, thank you. And one that's just to anybody.
3: All right? Yes. This is done very well. It surprises me, but it has.
1: Oh, the book? I'm not surprised at all. You're like the superstar of that channel. Many imitators, but there's no original. Well, that's what the fans always
3: say too. It's <laughs> kinda of funny. Everybody everybody wants to duplicate a format if they think it wins. Of course. And it's very difficult to do. It is. And then when they do, they insult the fans. They say, What's this crap? Right, right, exactly. Yeah,
1: he's not the Yeah, he's not the guy.
3: Yeah, I know. So it's just they they wind up generating some animosity
1: that's well things work for stupid. It takes many there are many reasons why a thing works, but then one of them you just can't really quantify it, which is... It just kind of works. It just works, you know? You work, the stories work, the That's way that right. the storytelling is presented works. You know, it it just, just
3: works, and it's fine. And if you try to do that a second time, it never quite is the same.
1: No, because it's a, it's a carbon copy of a thing. Exactly. But we are... Uh, I can't believe you're seven seasons already. I know. And we, it, it, And the funny thing is, having you here in front of me is the same thing that people say to me. Which is, I see you and I hear your voice all the time, and it's weird that you're right there. Yeah, because no, I'm just
3: well, you're supposed to be in a box. I'm supposed to be watching you on a screen. I don't you're, not I know. you're not supposed yeah, to talk back, kid. Yeah, you're not back. supposed to answer a question. You don't do that. You speak to me, I listen.
1: You know, it's, I know that's weird. I know. But the, the response the last time you were on was insane. People loved the episode. They were so because you know normally the the podcast tends to skew a little comedic and we screw around a lot, but it was so uh, people were so floored by it. So I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, a, a typical for your talks, but it really uh, people were blown away. I got a lot of messages. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, I'm uh, very direct, and <laughs> people
3: aren't direct in the modern world, and I think that surprises people.
1: Well, you said something last time you were here, and I had I meant to ask you about it, and I forgot. So now I'm going to ask you. But so I'm just going to jump right in, please. Which is you. I noticed that um you said on one of the shows that you always deliver the news to people when you knock yes. on their door and yes. you say so and so has died. You said you always chose to do that and I was so curious as to why. I didn't want to torture
3: my people to make them do it. It's a very unpleasant task to be the angel of death, which ultimately is who you are. I didn't want to be face I didn't want to face picking someone to say, Let me torture you today. Mm-hmm. So I would do it if I possibly could do it. And I would go to the house, and it was always the middle of the night usually, and you're on the porch in a suit holding up a badge, and they know when they see you. You can see it in their face. Sure, Someone's not here that's supposed to be, and now here's this man on my porch. So I would stay away from bullet words. I wouldn't say murdered. I wouldn't say killed. I would say your son, daughter, husband... Wife is no longer alive. It's not much, but it's something to lessen the blow, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You see grief reactions of every kind laughter, silence, tears, collapse. Every human
1: emotion. People just burst into la- laughter? I've had that. Yes. And that's not a. I mean, I guess in a sense, I understand that I've been in horrible situations and the body's just defensive. It's mechanism. a defense.
3: It's a defense. It's not that they're amused. Right. It's a defense that just happens to the to the unbelievable nature of
1: what you've just said. Well, then how long do you ha- – because obviously you have to give them a minute to – You do. But you do have to ask questions. Yes, you do. So how are you – how do you effectively interrogate – well, not interrogate, but I guess kind of, you know, you're you're digging for answers at – Probably the worst moment of their when they're it not, is, they're is. not no. focused, they're not in their right mind. You,
3: you, you take it, you, you do very limited, it's very limited in terms of how much you do ask. You try to get some drift about who this person is. The most important thing to learn is who is this victim? Who are they? Where do they get their dry cleaning done? Where do they buy their gas? Where do they shop for groceries? Are they married? Are they single? Do they have a secret life? Do they use narcotics? Do they associate with people who use narcotics? What's going on with them that maybe nobody knows about? The family knows. And if you inquire, basically at least at that level, was your son, your daughter with anyone, seeing anyone, where do they work, any known enemies, any issues in the past few months, that much will give you a place to begin. And then you leave them to their grief. Now, we had a chaplaincy, corps we would take with us. Uh, we would base it upon a religion if it was known. If they were Catholic, I'd bring a priest. If they were Jewish, I'd bring a rabbi. To give them some sort of religious feel to it. Sure. sure. And leave them to counsel after I would leave. But my motivation is to find who's responsible, and I would tell them that. I realized, worst of the effect, this very difficult moment in your life. But I want you to understand that I'm here to help you. I'm here to find who's responsible for taking this person from you. For me to do that, I need your help. I need to ask you just a few questions. Then I'm going to leave, and the minister here, the priest, whatever, will speak with you at some length. Would that be all right? And if they say no, fine. Tomorrow's another day. But most of the time, they will say yes. Because ultimately, they too want to know. Who did this to my loved one? Maybe I can help the police find that out. They, more than anyone, knows the victim. Coworkers don't know victims. Right? They don't know people they work with very well. They know them, but not well. People they casually meet, they don't know them either. Family knows them. What do they do with their time? Because somewhere in their life, they met someone who made them look like this.
1: Right. Did you ever knock on a door, and then when someone opened the door, you immediately said inside, oh, this person was involved, or this person? Sure. You see the look of no
3: surprise? Why are you not surprised? The other thing I would always pay attention to is who discovered the body? Mm -hmm. How were you here to discover this body? How did you know about this? You seem to be the only one who knew. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? <laughs> now there could be some innocent explanation. <clears throat> you're a co worker and they didn't come to work that day and you were sent there, you know, to see if they were okay and yeah. you discover them. But if you're not that, then I'm always a little curious about what are you doing here? Why right. are you here? You live here? Well no I don't live here. Well then what are you doing here? You know? It's just the
1: way things are. Well did you it, the thing that always surprises me because we we do we watch uh we've seen every episode of we're you know we're midway through your season now is that there are some people that will deny that they did anything when you have you know when they've of been course. convicted when you have inc- an incredible amount of proof yes and they still deny it is in your experience is that because they ha- don't believe it themselves or they just. Or they know they're lying. For the most
3: part, the most not every there's no hard and fast rule when it comes to human behavior. There isn't. All right, but generally speaking, people start lying when they're little to their mother. You know, they're four or five years old. They're, they're confronted by the parent. Did you do this? Oh no, no, I didn't do it. They are determined to continue to deny that. That's been successful in the past on a few occasions. So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to admit this because, A, it's too horrible. B, if I admit it, I'm in real trouble. And if I just continue to lie, maybe somebody will believe me. It's bizarre, and it's not correct, and it's not going to happen. But you pull at straws when you're really in trouble. Sure. And these people are really in trouble. Sure. i would said to a guy once, I said, you know, you just told me what you say happened. And I've told you what I know happened. Do you want me to tell you what I think of your story? What? Well, let me tell you what I hear you saying. I hear you in the kitchen saying, to your mom, that you remember being in the kitchen, and you were near the cookie jar, and you seem to recall that perhaps the lid was not on the cookie jar, and there could have been a moment. There could have been a moment, and maybe there was a cookie in your hand. But take a bite out of it. Oh no, not you. <laughs> And, Did and you arrest just, the cookie monster? You arrested the yeah, cookie monster. The guy, the guy just looks at you like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, uh-oh. You know, when you, when you lie as a child, <clears throat> a parent knows you're lying. But they consider it insignificant. So there's no point in getting into a disturbance over this. Well, all right, whatever. You know, you didn't do it. And they let it go. But it reinforces to the child that it was a successful
1: attempt. I lied and nothing happened to me. That's, that has so, some insane implications in terms of of course, parenting does. and like of course things does. that seem inconsequential. So
3: then all of a sudden the guy's 40 years old and he's still behaving that way. Wow. I'll just lie. It's always been work for me in the past.
1: Not every time, but it's worked. This could be one of those times. Damn. Uh, a friend of mine, a guy that I knew used to write uh, the crime beat for the LA Times years ago. And he became an entertainment reporter. And uh, I said, wow, dude, did it freak you out? knowing how much crime there was in the city. And he said, no, actually the opposite, because he said almost every time there was a murder, the murderer was connected to the victim. True. So that it, he said you would be shocked how few random murders there are where there, it's just wrong place, wrong time. And that's, that's
3: still true to this day. Very tiny number. Very tiny number. There's always a possibility That you could be walking down the street and catch a round that was addressed to whom it may concern. Right, it's always possible. Right, but it's extremely rare. Ninety-five percent of the time, it's someone that is known to you, someone you do business with, some, some you do illegal activity with, Mm -hmm. some you're engaged to, some you're married to, on and on. But it's always a connection. Yeah, emotion overcomes judgment. Murder results. Wow,
1: I mean, it's it's interesting that we are so. I mean, I, I, it feels like we're becoming so desensitized to it as a culture. I mean, even the fact that, you know, there's so many murder shows. And, yes, yes, You know, of,
3: uh, and that's part of it as well. I mean, the, 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 the entertainment medium, the, the news media, they beat the drum mm-hmm. every day. Death, death, death. People all over the world are dead. People in your country are dead. People in your state are dead. People in your city are dead. People in your neighborhood are dead. We'll be back after these messages, unless you're dead. I mean, that's...
1: <laughs> which is likely. We'll be right
3: back. Impossible, but we'll be back. We'll be right back. So it's it's that fear factor that gets developed. It's unrealistic and it isn't true, but people listen to it enough to where the drumbeat just keeps pounding in their head that the, the world is a is a, oh my god. I need to I I need to sleep with a grenade. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need to stay at a bar as a closing time. Nothing good happens after midnight. Right. Do not associate with people who buy, use, or sell narcotics. And try to marry well. Don't marry a psychotic. <laughs> the odds of you being the victim of violent crime are very tiny. You do those other things, or do them in combination, and they are huge. Yeah, particularly drugs. Drugs account sixty-five percent of the killings. Are directly related to the buy, the buying and selling of drugs. Wow.
1: Well, my wife, uh, she always says, like, oh, I, I could have been a detective. And we watch these shows. And we watch a lot of the ones where, like, uh, you know, wife snaps, kills husband. Yes, of and course. Sh- and she'll watch and go, oh, that was dumb. Like, she's critiquing the, <laughs> she's critiquing yes, the steps. Yes, of course. Yeah, well, I wouldn't do it
3: that way. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. How, how would you do it, dear? <laughs> uh, well, I guess you'll find out. <laughs> Let me take some notes here so I can avoid Cheat on me,
1: behavior. and we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it... Uh, it, it so most of it is really, if it's not, if it's not drug-induced, it's just passion-ridden. It's human, it's human emotion. It's human emotion.
3: There are very few people in the world that are evil. Right. There are a lot of people in the world who can't control themselves. It's interesting to me that if you, if you think about it, Chris, think about going to the Serengeti plant mm-hmm. millions of years ago, and you see this clever little creature that's four feet tall and bipod and covered in hair. And you watch him on on this plane, and you say, well, he seems clever more than the other animals. And he gathers friends of similar appearance. And my heaven, they make weapons, and they kill animals three or four times their size. You're looking at early men, and you're admiring this thing because it seems to be smarter than every other creature around it. But it would not be in your interest to pet him, (laughs) and it still isn't. <laughs> okay? Those basic instincts are in all of us. We're still animals. They're rage factor. Yeah, it's there. It's there in all of us. It needs motivation. Somebody needs to push the right button, but that button's in all of us. Wow, and it makes people what they are—the most dangerous creature on this planet.
1: Shit. Okay. I mean, is it? Do you have hope for humanity, or do you go, "Well, we're all pretty screwed"? No, I, I have hope for humanity
3: because I'll tell you why I do. Despite what you hear, violent crime has gone down in this country for 20 years in a row. It's gone down. But there's no money in it going down, so we have to continue to talk about it going up. Sure. But the reality is it isn't, in simple numbers. That's
1: fantastic news.
3: It is fantastic news. But I nobody mean,
1: wants to give good news. No, because <laughs> no, no, one, no one tunes in for good news. No, they don't. If it bleeds,
3: it leads... Or failure is the other option.
1: Oh, wow. We
3: love things that fail. You know, your garbage man failed to empty your can in its entirety. Probe underway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the garbage can controversy. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're just describing the internet. I mean, you're talking about... Of course. You know, it's... it's... Well, the internet's Pandora's box. We opened oh, it my... and now we can't close it. Well, it's all emotion. I mean, it's, it's of you know, t- it's, it's almost like the internet is becoming a... The internet is becoming a direct line from that lizard part of our brain. Yes. Directly, it's just it's, it's like watching. It provides something, the
3: last thing that people need. Anonymity. Right. You are a guy. Let's say you're a guy. Guy, girl, doesn't make any difference. And your life is in the toilet. And you've got a midnight hate job. And you hate what you do. And you live in a bad place and so on. But you have a computer. And on the computer, you're General Maxwell Taylor. (laughs) You're Superman. You're somebody of importance. And you have things to say, by God. right? Most of which are awful and are accusatory and are all kinds of horrible things. But you get away with it because you're really not General Maxwell Taylor.
1: But nobody knows that. Right, right, right. So do you think that makes it... Not real in the sense it makes that... it easier for people to misbehave. But does that mean that that's who those people really are? Or does that mean they're just blowing off steam, and that it's? I th- it doesn't mean that's who they really are. They're just
3: they're, they've, got a, they've got they've got a game in front. Of them. They're playing a game, right? Without realizing the pain and suffering they cause, or caring about it, perhaps. But who knows? But it's not intentional necessarily. It's not it doesn't mean that's how they really feel. It doesn't mean that's what they're going to go do. Mm-hmm. It's what they're doing to take off the pressure of their life or the unhappiness of their surroundings or who knows what it is. But it's uh, something that nobody really needs to listen to this. You know, someone once said to me, and I agree with it, the Internet is a sewer and swans don't swim in sewer. <laughs> and I think that's true.
1: It's <laughs> the best thing I've ever heard about the Internet. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Yes.
3: <laughs> I ignore it.
1: I'm not on the internet. I never have been. I don't blame you. I mean, at this point, you know, when you've seen the things that you've seen, I would imagine that even engaging with the internet for two minutes, you're like, I don't need this shit anymore. Like I don't know. <laughs> this isn't real. No. I've, I've seen no. real human suffering. This is a waste of that energy. That
3: is correct. I, I have. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I've seen uh, death by every means except a nuclear weapon. I've never seen that. But I've seen every other method multiple times. I don't need anybody to try to impress me that something is bad. I've seen bad. I've been around bad. I don't need to be reminded of it. And I don't need to read about someone's opinion of what they think it means. It's of no interest to me. never has been.
1: Uh, Do you think that... uh your job would have been easier with technology now, or did you? I mean, I'm sure there were some things like DNA test. I know because DNA testing was coming into play kind of at the end of your time. That's right? correct,
3: and I did use it a couple of times in cases before I retired. DNA was designed for medical purpose, not for the police. They found out that it was a great advantage to the police, uh, but it was not designed for the police to use. They saw an opportunity to use it. It became useful. Ultimately, the art of detecting and the art of determining who's responsible for criminal activity is not defined by scientific example. It's defined by conversation. You talk to people, and they will tell you things. And the more you listen, the more you will learn uh, when you're talking to someone. People will tell you their life story if you let them. You sit there and let them talk. Just let him talk, but you have to know what to listen for, though. Absolutely. Plus, I will in interrogations. I often use the technique, depending upon the target. But you'd say to a guy you'd come across as confused. You know, you're dropping papers on the floor, and you'd say, "You know, I don't even understand why you're here. I know you're under arrest, but I mean, I don't, I don't get that." And you immediately want him to plant the seed that hey, maybe this guy's an idiot. Maybe I can talk my way past him. That would be me, right? Right. <clears throat> so I would say, well. I want you to tell me what, what happened, but I have to advise you of your rights. I mean, you do have a right to remain, so I'm going to go through that. You want to talk to me? Oh, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you. you know? so Okay, well, <laughs> tell me what happened. And I'll listen, just like this. I'll listen. I, won't rem- I will remember every word you said, but I won't write it down. I won't record it. I won't take notes. I'll just listen. And two hours later, I will say to you, so, you know, you told me what happened, but Boy, i forgot most of what you said. Could you tell me again? (laughs) Well, of course he can't because he was lying the first time. Right. So he's going to talk to you again. But what I'm looking for is the first lie. Tell me a lie. Because if you're going to lie, I know I'm talking to the right guy. Because now you're lying. And the minute you do, I would drop a notebook on a table and make a loud noise. And I would say, well, my, my, my. (laughs) Now, two hours ago you said this, and now you say this. Were you lying then? Are you lying now? Or maybe you're just a liar. What do you think? And the guy's thinking, what happened to my friend? Oh, he left. (laughs) Your friend left. I'm Detective Antichrist, and I'm here now. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then we play this game, you keep people off balance. You keep people off balance, and you don't know what they're going to say,
1: and they don't know either. Well, you also have them at an advantage because they know that they, they know that they have information that they're trying to protect and people get nervous yes. and then they get tired. Yes. And then they get... Sure. Of course. Of course.
3: And I'm unemotional. I didn't kill this guy. You did. All right. I have no reason to be distressed. You have a lot of reasons to be distressed.
1: Yeah. You know? Were you ever, uh, were you ever let down by the court system?
3: You know, I don't look at it that way. The court system is the system. It's certainly not perfect. We certainly have had our days when innocent people go to jail and guilty people stay out and that sort of thing. It happens. Humans control the system and people make mistakes. But versus any other system available on the planet, I'll take this one. I will. I'll take the one we have in the United States. Innocent until proven guilty. In almost every other place in the world is guilty until proven innocent. And the results are devastatingly swift. If you're in the Middle East, you will be executed before the new moon. Not after 20 years of discussion like mm-hmm. it is in this country. So there are weaknesses in it, of course. And there are always excesses that one can point to and say, well, this was bad. You know, I agree, that was bad. But overall, overall, I think it does pretty well. It brings people into a courtroom and the jury gets to decide, based upon the culture of the society at the time, What do you think of this behavior? What do you think? I'm a policeman. I'm not in the punishment business. I'm in the apprehension and discovery business. Mm -hmm. Now, you see this guy? Let me tell you what he did. Now, let me tell you how I know that, that he did that. Now, what do you think? Should we give him a silver star with oak leaf cluster, or should we shoot him in the face? What do you think? (laughs) But while you're considering what you want to do about that, stay here, because I'm going to go get another one, and I'll be right back. And we'll have another discussion about what we're going to do with number two guy, after you decide what you're going to do with number one. But as to what the jury does, or what the court does, it's what they do.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm a professional. I don't get involved in, in the righteousness of the punishment or anything like that. It's not, that's not my business. Here he is. What do you think? Wanna tolerate this? As a society? Do you want to accept him for what he is and what he did? Or do you want to punish him for that? And Your Honor, it's your choice as to how you want to punish him.
1: Do you watch a lot of, do you watch any crime stuff? No. <laughs> nope. You lived you know, it. Why talking. would you?
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're a doctor, would you watch doctor shows?
1: <laughs> Probably no, not. You know? No, I'm a comedian. I don't watch a lot of comedy. Yeah, there, you there you go. Just, there you go. Exactly right. right. Why would you you're do that? Just, it's uh, what I do. I don't want to watch this. You know? Yeah, because I just, because, you know, there's also the, you know, besides, besides the court system, there's also the, the uh, public, the, the court of public opinion. Yes, you know, yes. and uh, so I, we may have talked about this the last time you were on, but I think making a murderer had just come out the the mm. case, mm-hmm. and so you know everyone was really mad about the way that that case went down. But then, but I kept I kept thinking like I get I mean I don't I didn't see all of the courtroom footage. No, and we you saw, we, and you
3: don't you see a selected group. Of right, 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 right. Designed to enforce the point of the person who made the film. Right, right, right. So you can make anything look one way or the other. Maybe they're right. Can't. Maybe they're wrong. I don't know. But it just kind maybe of just, they are. I didn't watch it, so yeah. I have no opinion. All right. But any time you present facts, well, then we got to present all the facts.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you if you say to me, well, we don't have time for that. Well, oh, stop. Then you should make the time. Or you shouldn't bother presenting any facts if you're only going to present some of them.
1: <laughs> well, that's just our How culture could, now. Yeah, exactly. That's just right. our
3: culture now. Is if we want, we, we live in a microwave world. Push the button, and in 30 seconds, it's resolved. Right. And if it isn't, well, what's the matter with this microwave? We push the button. You mean we have to think about this? Yes. You mean it's going to take long? It could. <laughs> you mean it's going to be hard? Oh, it's going to be very hard. Yeah. Oh, we don't do hard. We don't do long. We do thirty seconds. That's what we do.
1: Yeah, because your cases are presented on the show. I mean, it, sometimes you'll say that there's a lapse of time. There was six months, or a year, or two years, or whatever. But it, uh, but it, most of these are not solved within a day or two. Right? They're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. One,
3: my longest was nine years. Jesus. And you, but you solved it. Yes. Two guys are doing life without Damn. as a result. Nine years later, but it was you know nine years. It's not about being smarter than anybody else. About being more determined. I'm stubborn. I'm not too bright, but I'm stubborn. I won't (laughs) stop or I won't stop. I just won't. I had a guy once who he and his family, which is very bizarre, we did an episode on this. He has two sons, they're in the drug business and he has knowledge of it, although he does not profit from it, but he knows what they're doing. They have a third friend who supplies them with drugs. They run out of money to buy from this guy. So they decide they're just going to kill him and take his drugs. Mm -hmm. They do it in the basement of the home. Now, the father was not a participant in the murder, but when they kill him in the basement, mom and dad wake up and come downstairs to find this commotion and one each dead guy that their children are responsible for. They participate in the cleanup and disposal of the remains. They use bleach. They do a really good job. They clean up the blood, no trace of nothing. We work this case. The the father is arrogant and nasty, and I've got three lawyers, and don't you come in my house without a warrant, and on and on. And we get months of this back and forth. I am convinced that his sons killed him, and he helped them somehow, after the fact, whatever. And I told this guy, I said, someday— Someday, my friend, I'll be back. You write that down, because that's going to happen. And his response, oh, fuck you. Yeah, okay, all right, fine. <laughs> so I gone about my business, right? Five years go by, and his brother-in-law stabs him, the father, and damn near kills him in a disturbance involving the family. I arrest their brother-in-law for the stabbing. And you say to this guy, as you often say to people, you know, this is a, this is a big problem, man. You've got two priors. This is third felony. Habitual criminal. Life in prison. Ooh, That's not good, is it? Well, let me tell you about him. Tell me what? I helped him move that body out of the basement. You did. You know, and <laughs> one thing leads to another, okay? We arrest the two sons. Dad's in the hospital. Still, but I've got a statement out of one of the sons confesses to me. In addition to the witness, the brother-in-law, one of the sons confesses, and the other kid half ass confesses. And so now I'm going to go arrest Dad for accessory after the fact of first-degree murder. And I walked in his, in his hospital room. I said, hey, you remember me. Remember when I told you five years ago that someday I'd be back? Well, today's the fucking day, and you're under arrest for accessory to first-degree murder. And With a I big smile. Left under to his
1: bed. Oh, my God. And he's like, lay there, you know? I say, what? Nothing to say. You know? Yeah. And that, I mean, you must have an infinite number of open loops in your brain. You do. Of things that are not done, things that are That's not correct. solved. They're floating oh, yeah. around. So what does it feel like when one of those closes and you know, like, aha.
3: Oh, it's euphoric. It really is euphoric. It's like, ah. Oh, uh, you know, there is a God. <laughs> you, know, uh, you never know what happens. Loyalty is a funny thing. It has a tendency to wander off on sure. occasion, you know. Nobody's that loyal when it's their fat that's in the fire. Right. And you say to somebody, hey, yeah, you know, this is a big problem. And right away the wheels turn. Well, wait a minute. What if I told you I know something? Okay. What if I said, well, it depends on what you know. You know what I mean? On and on the way it goes. You are, unfortunately, in this business, have to do business with people you prefer not to do business with. You know, Informants are criminals. That's why they're informants. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain amount of dealing in the dirt that you have to accept if you're going to be successful at the the game. You have to deal with certain levels of people that you probably ought to just throw in jail and and be done with it. Mm -hmm. But you kind of need them in a way. They're small-time criminals, you know this and that and the other. You ignore a few minor offenses in exchange for information on serious offenses. Who hurts people? Who carries guns? You know who is threatening to kill someone? That sort of thing. So it's a question of balance. You know where where do you go with this? Uh, do you arrest everybody? No. Can you? Not really. What would you do with them? You know we have two million people in jail in this country right now. Two million. That's a lot of people. Yeah. All right. And of those, a number of them are there on drug charges, which is an unfortunate fact of the war on drugs. The war on drugs was a colossal failure. We didn't win the war on drugs, we lost. And the Mexican cartels have been conducting mop-up operations ever since. This this country has an insatiable desire to buy narcotics. Basic law of economics. Supply and demand. When there's a demand, there's going to be a supply. There's a demand, there is a supply. They have various kinds of drugs, and now they even create their own. They create their own. They make synthetic drugs. Exotic drugs. You like methamphetamine? You ought to try ours. Ours has got some real juice to it. Because we altered the chemistry. They hire guys who are chemists. They pay more than anybody else does for a guy with a chemistry degree. Want to make a couple million bucks in a Swiss bank? Come down here and create a drug for us. I'll do that. <laughs> there, here we go. You know. It's an unfortunate side of human nature. Is.
1: Greed. Is America on the higher side in the in terms of <clears throat> drug use? Yes. The, it, yeah, without question. Why yes. is it? Why is that? I don't know. If I knew, I'd write another book. And, you know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to buy it because I'd be the only <laughs> guy who knew. I'd be the I only, only guy be who knew. You yeah. be the guy who knew. I'd be the only guy you know, who knew. But so, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's true as to why it is. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've never believed that complex problems have simple answers. Complex problems are complex, and the answer to the problem is also complex. And it's long-term, and it's expensive, and, you know, so what do we do? So we have a 65% rate of divorce in this country. That's not good. We have mom and dads. No mom, no dad in a household. Childs being raised differently than they were in the past generations. Public education, there's a lot of dispute about the quality of that. All kinds of things are happening in a society that changes things dramatically, that produces the feral children of today Mm -hmm. who become the feral adults of tomorrow. So what do we do? Well, we could attack all these problems, but it's going to take, it took years to get this best, it's going to take years to get better. And we're not into long-term expensive solutions. We don't like that. We like, we'll pass a law. We'll pass a law. We'll get gun control. Okay. There are 300 million guns in private hands in the United States. And you're going to pass a law that's going to stop this behavior. Yes. Okay. Is it illegal to have heroin in your possession? Yes. There's a law against that, right? Well, yeah, but I can drive you two blocks from here and buy you a ton of it. So how's that happen? Well, you know, it's an enforcement problem. Oh, well, it's an enforcement problem. A minute ago, you said it was the law. We need to pass gun control. Now you say it's an enforcement problem. You know, maybe it's a behavior problem. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you think that could be it? Oh, no, 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 no. People don't make conscious choices. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. They do. If you decided, for example... You say, all right, you know what I think? I've determined the nature of the difficulty with American society. It is the toothpick. This is the bane of this country. I thereby declare it is illegal to manufacture, possess, or have in your, or anything, a toothpick. We're going to just stop it next month, first day of the month, that's it, we're done. Within two weeks, there'll be a guy in an alley selling toothpicks for $8 a piece. <laughs> and you'll be in line to buy one because you're an American. And by God, nobody's going to tell you what to do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Because you're freedom. You know, you know illegal. I know, but it's different for yeah, me because it's, it's, it's me. Different. It's different because it's me. Yeah. Uh, you know, freedom is messy. Uh, it is. It has a lot of problems. And you have to decide, do you want freedom or do you want law and order? Well, we want gun control. You said that. How are we going to accomplish that?
1: <laughs> we have enough gun laws to fill this room right now. Well, I think people just want to hear. Everyone just wants to feel safe. They want to feel better. They want to feel they better. To feel better. Yeah, they do. And so they want to, you know, if you hear, <clears throat> oh, they're doing this. Okay, well, something's being done. I, I mean, I guarantee you most people don't know what the real no. numbers the real facts are for no, of anything. Of course they don't. No, for anything. There are people that believe the earth is still flat.
3: I mean, come on, you know, so uh, please, you know. People ask me in public speaking engagements when I, when I was still working, they said, well, how do you feel about gun control? I said, you, I said, you know, what do you mean? Well, what's the department's position on gun control? The police department doesn't have a position. We enforce the law as it's written. You go to your legislature, they write laws, we enforce them. That's how they work. They don't have opinions. They enforce the law as it's written. Do you want to know what I personally think about gun control? Absolutely. Particularly the gun fricks. Yes. What do you think about it? Well, here's the deal. Picture yourself at Bronco Stadium during a Denver Bronco football game, and it's halftime. You're on the 50-yard line. You're surrounded by 79,000 emotional drunks. On a table behind you are 79,000 guns. Would you give one to everybody? Would you try to be maybe selective on who you gave one to? And the audience would laugh, and then a the guy would sit down. No. <laughs> you know, should we have gun control? We shouldn't let people drive. <laughs> we don't want to have guns. <laughs> Many more people die in cars than they do from gunfire. You well, know, so. yeah, especially you know. So you know, what do you do? I mean, where do you establish the difference between freedom and the authority of the
1: government? There's your issue. Yeah, really. it's, you're right. People want simple answers to a very complex problem. Oh boy, it's a very complex problem, and and things just get more and more complex. The more you talk about it, the worse it gets. That's right, and and the longer it goes on, and the yes, more you and know. And more- also, just because of the way, the bureaucracy of the way government works. Something can take forever, and then new people come in, and then it starts all over again, and then just nothing ever. The process
3: never actually completes because the people that started it aren't there to complete it. That's right. Because they've been removed from office, they resigned, they've lost the election, whatever— so now the new guy says, oh, well, where are we on this? Well, we're still on square one. Oh, well, all right then. Let's do something about you know getting. Well,
1: we're not like two. that last guy, and that last guy did this. So we're not right. going to do that because we're, uh, we're, we're the new I've guy. got a new idea. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> oh, good. We have a new idea. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and then that will go into process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here we go again. So exactly right. This a, is a very big country, one of the biggest countries in the world. And as a result, there's lots of people live here, lots of issues going on. And uh, lots of different opinions about what it is we should do about all that. And is everybody right? No. Is everybody wrong? No. They're not all wrong either. Somewhere in the middle is where it needs to be. Not to the left, not to the right, but somewhere in the middle. It's yeah. where everyone's most comfortable. Is in the middle, not over here, not over there. No extremes. People, Americans don't like extremists. I really don't think they do. In their heart of hearts, they but
0: a lot of them, a lot of us discomfort. are.
3: A lot of us have supposedly become that way in the modern day. I mean, we hear all this all the time. And I've told my friends, when my friends yell at me a lot and people I know, and they say, what about the crime? What about this? What about that? I say, you know what you should do? Stop listening to the news for five days. Take five days off. Don't look at the internet. Don't listen to anybody. I don't care who it is. Any news organization of any kind from anywhere in the world, ignore them for five days. You'll feel better. <laughs> you will feel immensely better. <laughs> you won't be so concerned about everything that they're concerned about, or that they say they're concerned about. And you will realize that life just sort of goes on for you. You're so not sort a of the participant. M- in Doctor, a- my wrist hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't put your hand over your head. It hurts when you do that. Uh, you know, most people have no possibility of affecting the foreign policy of the United States. Most people individually have no opportunity to affect. The changing of the law in this country. Other than their support for a person that they're going to elect as a representative who says he'll do what they wish. Mm -hmm. That's what you can do. Go vote. And people don't even do that. Right. For as much as they complain, how come you don't vote?
1: Yeah. Well, people go, it doesn't make a difference.
3: Yes, it does. My my vote doesn't. Yeah, it does.
1: Yeah, it does. Because you...
3: Well... You know, I, my I, other opinion about that is this: if you if you don't participate, don't complain. Right. the The system belongs to the participants. If you're not a participant, I don't care what you think. Did you vote in the last election? No. But I, I stop. Stop. But I tweet. Well, that doesn't yeah. count. No, that's not it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't vote.
3: When you vote, come back and see me. We'll talk. Right. But before then, I don't care what you think. What you think?
1: Right. 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 Yeah, you know, part of it. Are you the last time you were on? You talked about uh, that uh, you still don't sleep great. No, I is your sleeping out. any better? No, <laughs> no, 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 In fact,
3: in this book, I describe my five most common nightmares. Yep. Yeah. And we'll see what you think of my five most common. See if you'd wake up.
1: You mentioned that the last time, but I don't think you said what any of them were. Uh, they're in writing in this book. What What's a hint of one of them? So people know, get an idea. A little boy, I went to a crime scene once.
3: It's never been on TV. It's a trailer park in a less than good part of town. Rental trailers where people reside. Three o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's out and about. You know, kids are coming home from school and so on. Uniformed cops are there. There's a guy on the porch, holds up three fingers, three bodies. Uh, So I walk in this trailer, summertime's hot as hell. There's a woman sitting on the floor in the kitchen, multiple gunshot wounds to the chest and face, dead, pair of shorts, halter top. On the floor beside her is a male with a pressure contact, gunshot wound to the head, gun near his hand. Note on the kitchen table, the usual note, quoting religion, I can't go on, life is too difficult, and on and on. Husband is the shooter. Okay. And I looked at this cop and I said, well, you said Three. Yeah, down the hallway. I started down the hallway, and he said, it's a kid. I stopped. And I said, how old? He said, oh, he's little. Now, I've been a cop a long time, all right? I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of dead babies, dead, murdered children. But I walked in that room, and that kid was wearing Mickey Mouse pajamas. My son had those pajamas. Same one. This kid has four pressure contact gunshot wounds to the head, missing one eye as a result of the gunfire. He's bled out in the bed. He's holding his stuffed animal. What could you possibly say or do at age five to warrant a violent death from your own father? Nothing. But there he is. In my nightmare, he sits up in the bed, And looks at me with his remaining eye and says, why did you let my daddy hurt me? Jesus Christ.
1: Did writing about it help at all?
3: Somewhat. Somewhat. Sure. Oh, yes. it's It's the price you pay for the work. Now, it's a price I willingly paid. I volunteered. And it was worth it. Because I put a lot of people in a cage who need to be in a cage. But you pay for it. You do. And it's just the way it is. All cops do, not just me. I'm not the only one that suffers from that. And I won't be the last. You see people at their worst. And if you're not careful, you can begin to believe that they're always at their worst. And that isn't true. But you see these violent things and you see death that's not explained you know children are truly innocent they truly are particularly little kids good god and you kill them why why would you do that adults okay maybe you did something to somebody and you know maybe maybe you're a participant in your own demise who knows but a kid no
1: well, how do you prevent yourself from <clears throat> going to that place where you're just dead inside because you, you, you can't... You have to remember
3: uh, what I did. I personally, and I can't say that this would work for everyone. I made certain that I was... I had a professional life and a personal life. I didn't mix the two. I didn't go to police functions. I didn't have police parties. I didn't. Uh, you know. I didn't do that. I had friends that all did something else guy was an engineer for Ford Aerospace, and that guy was an airline pilot. Uh, another guy's in the Army. I mean, you know, guys that I knew <clears throat> that I'd hang around with and would talk about what they did for a living. You realize at some point, Chris, you really truly do. <clears throat> if you put up a sign in front of this house that says no parking, 98% of the world won't park there because mm-hmm. there's a sign that says no parking. But 2% of the world will park there. Because they're special, and the rules don't apply to them. Right. Okay? Those are the criminals. I spend 100% of my time with the 2% when I worked. So when you're not working, you have to spend time with the 98%.
1: right, right. And it gives right. you an even keel. Well, and there is this kind of comedy through line on the show of you almost being able to spend time with your wife, or you're at dinner, or it's like you're just yes. walking into a movie, and then you get the call. And it's... And it, oh my! It's a little tongue in cheek on the show, but it sort of it underscores the idea of like, yes, this is you know, and sometimes we we
3: were some of the worst arguments we ever. We've been married fifty years this year. So oh wow! Okay. Congratulations, five zero. Okay, the big one. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the worst arguments we ever had was over work. You should, as an example, you should say, "Well, I want to go skiing this weekend." Now, skiing is two hours away from where I lived in Colorado. Right? I said, "Well, I can't. I can't go skiing this weekend. I am on call." well, do I work there? Well, no, you don't work there. And the fight would be on. You know what I mean? It's just the way things were. And on one occasion, she said to me, and I remember this distinctly, she said, okay, we're, we're, you and I are going on a trip on Thursday. We're going to be gone four days. I said, I can't do that. I've got a couple, You always have a couple murders, so it doesn't make any difference. We're going. Well, I'm on call. Ah, I got your captain to take call. He never takes call. He's going to take call this time, or I'm going to kill him and his wife. <laughs> And I told him that. <laughs> and so we're going. Where are we going? I'm not telling you, because you'll tell them, and then they'll be looking for us. Oh, wow. So we went to the Canyon de Che in Arizona, which was a—it's a, it's on the Navajo Indian Nation. We stayed in a Navajo Indian motel where they spoke Navajo all the time. The news was in Navajo. Yeah. The only thing I understood was George Bush. He was the president at the time. They <laughs> said his name. you know, all But right. the rest was all in Navajo. And we toured the Canyon de Che. It was basically in Spanish, it was the Arroyo del Marte, the Canyon of Death. The Spanish conquistadores were lured into the canyon by an Indian tribe who then killed them all in this canyon. Wow. And there are finger paintings from 2,000 years ago. It's really cool. You know? So we went there to see that. And it was really wonderful. Four days, just you and I. It
1: was great.
3: you know? And you, really you good. were
1: able to focus on being with your wife. Yes,
3: and yes. And there was no, that was before cell phones before the electronic wizardry of today. So I was gone, literally. We could have been on a, on the moon, as far as anybody knew. We weren't around, couldn't find me. <laughs> we're in the Canyon de Che in Arizona, this beautiful place with, uh, in, with Navajo Indians who we were more than gracious and were happy to show us everything. And you know, it was really very cool. I mean,
1: it's pretty incredible that not only... Were you, have you been able to stay married for 50 years And 25 of that sounds like it was while you were working Yes um, <clears throat> But number one <laughs> Your wife managed to stick it out Yes But you also <laughs> Somehow <clears throat> Did you manage to not just bring it home I mean how do you I avoided bringing it home But that seems, completely. How do you do that You just see someone's face blown off their head Off their you know neck And then you got to go home and get in bed with your wife and be like, "Hey, what you reading?" Like,
3: how do you? It's you just do. You just do. And I would come home, and she would say, "How was today?" And I always had two answers: it sucked, or it really sucked. Those were the two answers.
1: And you didn't talk about it. And
3: then that was it. We wouldn't talk about it. So when we when the show first started, it was really kind of interesting. I saw her looking at me instead of TV. And I looked at her, and said, what are you looking at? She said, I never knew you did that. Holy uh, shit. No, you didn't, because I never told her. So I said, I've said, said more to that camera than I ever said to her. So this has been a learning experience for her as well, to know what I was actually doing when I wasn't home. Because she never really knew. Oh, my so, God.
1: Is that generational, or is that just you? Because I feel like my poor wife... I, I come home cranky because there was traffic. And it's like, well, now I... Really should rethink bringing home Probably. even yes. the lightest of you know. traffic. no one died during no one the traffic.
3: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You didn't die. No, yeah. sir. no one tried to make you dead while that was happening. So you know, this, uh, you know That's incredible that so. she had no idea. No. She knew some of it because the press would be, you know. I tried to lie to her once, and that was a mistake. I came home, <laughs> and I said, she said, what happened? Oh, nothing. No, it was quiet. Oh, good. It was quiet. Then she turns on the news, and I'm standing in front of ten cameras or ten microphones, and the crime scene tape behind me. She says, "What about that?" <laughs> well, there was that. <laughs> then you learned that no, just no, no. It was a bad day. It was just a bad day.
1: Well, I wasn't going to talk about that.
3: What are we going to talk about? Are we want to talk about this little kid with one eye. I don't think so. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I'd come home other times. I'd hug my kids, just hug them. I wouldn't say anything. Kathy would know. You know, that something happened to a child. And, and my kids were little enough. Don't touch me, Dad. What are you doing, Dad? Leave me alone, Dad. You know, <laughs> you know they're just that age. you they want to, no, right. I don't want to play with my thing. What are yeah. you doing? You know, and I'm just hold them for a minute. Just you know, hey, hi. I just want to say hello. You know? just to refocus. Yeah, because yeah. you're you're okay. You're, nobody hurts you today. You know.
1: Have you ever, had you ever thought about not that this would ever happen, but you ever thought about if one of my children committed a crime, um, what would I have done?
3: Yeah, it's a it's, it's an impossible question to answer. Who knows? Who knows what you'd do? Who knows? That never happened. I don't know what I would have done had it happened. You know? I don't. You you try to you you can teach a kid how to do everything. You teach him how to be a nuclear and engineer. You can't teach him how to fall in love. He's going to figure that out, he or she. Mm-hmm. You know. Can't help him there. Give him some advice, maybe. You know, but that's about it. So it's, there's always a learning curve with children that never stops. My kids are adults. I mean, they're adults, and but they're still my kids. So I worry about them and I think about them all the time. And you know, in July I took my my kids to Ireland for 15 days. My daughter and her husband, and they she works for Global Strike Command at Barksdale Air Force Base, Louisiana, and she's a logistics officer. They're responsible for the containment of nuclear weapons of the United States government because that's what Global Strike is my son's a commander in the Navy. So I said, I'm going to take my son. I'm going to take you and your husband and your mother and I We're all going to Ireland for 15 days and we're going to get blasted and we're going to have a good time.
0: <laughs> and she says,
3: uh, we can't afford a trip like that. I said, Hey, do you have a passport? Yes, I do. That's all you'll need. I'll take care of the rest. So we show up and right? we fly to Dublin. Now my daughter knows I have a show on TV. My daughter didn't even watch television. She works like a dog. I mean, she never watches anything. She knows I have a show. It's some little show, you know. Dad's got a show. You know, keeps him out of the bars. You know, <laughs> and so uh, we go to the Dublin Airport. Well, it's the number one show in the UK. My show's in 178 countries. Holy shit. All right, so it's all over the world. But it's the number one show in the UK, including Ireland. So we're we're in the airport for 10 minutes, and this Irishman said, "Mr. Kennedy, may I have your autograph, sir?" I said, "Of course." You know, so my daughter says, "Dad, what?" That man called you by name. Yeah, he did. Well, how does he know your name? <laughs> well, I'm rather well-known, Chris. <laughs> so by the end of the trip, I was her famous father. It was pretty oh, funny. Oh, that's really sweet. It's really funny. That's you know,
1: really, really She sweet. was, like, shocked. He, said, he called you Mr.
3: Kendall. Yeah, yes, he did. You know.
1: Do you ever ask your
3: kids about,
1: <laughs> hey, are we going to war, or what's going on over there?
3: Sometimes, yeah, uh, I do, and they usually don't tell me. So, of course. You know, Of course not. Now, my son is in the Navy, so his last name is on a name tag, right, Kendall? Yeah. So about once a week, somebody comes up to him points to his name tag and says, do you know that guy that's on TV?
1: You
3: <laughs> know, say, yeah, it's my dad. Well, it's not your dad, but, I mean, do you, like, know him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's my dad.
3: Yeah, yeah, so there was a two-star admiral that did that to him. Said, no, it's not your dad, you know, but do you know the guy? So I signed one of the pictures I give to people, and I said, admiral, he is my son, and I signed it. I said, "Give that to him." You know, and he goes, "Oh my God, I'm so it's sorry." It was funny. It was funny. You know, nice guy. I met him you know, the ad from him. Was a Nice guy. You
1: said something before that was interesting, which was, "Oh, he does the show. It keeps him out of bars." I mean, yeah. what was the correlation between um, being in the department and alcohol abuse? Like, how how were were a lot of people? There were people that
3: were abused alcohol. There were policemen. Okay? I mean, it's
1: understandable.
3: It's well, maybe, but you know there are people who abuse alcohol if they drive a taxi cab. Of you course. know, it's it's the their personality in many cases, and sometimes it's the motivation of the work. I understand. I drink occasionally. That's it. You know, I mean very occasionally. Sometimes maybe once a month. Uh-huh. You know, so it's not exactly a thing with me, but there are people that it was a thing with them. And they always wanted to go out after work, let's go to the bar, uh, i got to go home. Because A, I don't want to go to a bar with a bunch of cops, and B, I don't want to go to a bar. So <laughs> right, because you got, see what happens there. I, I think I'll just go home, you know, yeah. and that's what I would do. So uh, that was not an issue for me. I never went out with the boys, because I never wanted to. If we went out, Kathy and I went out together, Right. Know, somewhere, you know, usually. And we didn't do much of that because of the kids, and, you know, this and that and the other, and, you know... So
1: you do uh, you live your life like everybody else does. Yeah, but most of your... Because half of your job is... You're, if you're a department head, you're probably doing a lot of paperwork that's not fun. You're sitting at mm-hmm. your desk doing yeah. a lot of paperwork, doing reviews. So how is your week divided up? Are you in the office like regular work days and then you're on call I had a schedule. 8 to 5 was my
3: schedule. Yeah. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., five days a week. Mm-hmm. I was on call for the rest of the hours of every day, seven days a week. Jesus! All right, so if I got up at 1 o'clock in the morning and went to a murder, then at 8 o'clock, it's my duty day. I'm going to be there until 5 o'clock anyway, no matter what happens. Well, that's all probably right?
1: the other reason that it's impossible for you to sleep. You didn't keep a normal schedule for no, 25 no, years.
3: No, 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 One of the weirdest moments I ever had in all the times of call-outs, I came out of my house one night. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. I always look at the clock when I get the call make a note for the report. You know, I received the call at 101 a.m. or whatever that there was that guy. You know, okay, fine. So and Kathy would just roll over. She got to the point where she'd hear the phone ring and roll over. Like, all right, he's leaving. You know, and then she'd go back to sleep. So I'd get up and maneuver through the house with all the little red lights of things that were charging. You know, radios and <laughs> pagers. And <everything. laughs> you could see in the dark with all the red lights. You know? right. And I'd take a shower real quick and off I'd go. So i go outside. There's a full moon, and it's so bright. It's like day. And for a minute, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. It's 1 a.m., right? Yeah, it's 1 a.m. And I, it was so bright, I could see the key lock in the door. I put the key in and unlocked the police car, you know, because I park it outside. My police car had, uh, had a commercial radio and police radios and toys in it. But when I shut the car off, everything would turn off. So when I started the car, everything turned on, including the commercial radio. I like rock and roll. I like classic rock and roll. So that's the station I always listen to. So I started this car that night. And, you know, there's that pause before they play a song. And yeah. there's that brief pause. And they, they play CCR, Bad Moon on the Rise. <laughs> and I thought, Fogarty, I didn't know you are a poet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm looking at the moon. I'm looking at the radio. I'm looking at the moon. I said, well, somebody did lose their life. That's what I'm doing out here, you know. Holy shit. And then they were calling me on the air. And my call sign's 1x-ray 1, 1. Not Kenda, like they say right. in the show. It's 1x-ray 1, 1. And it was like a wife calling you. It's a, it's a female dispatcher. 1x-ray 1. X-ray 1. One X Ray One. <laughs> I'm busy right now. I'm listening to this song. I'm proving I'm it. I'm listening to this song. I mean, you come on, let me look. Like. All right, One X Ray One. What do you want? You know, I, I'm in route, You know, but it was weird. It was really weird. It's like wow.
1: Yeah, you but know. what you? What was your? What was? What was the marathon week? I mean, you must have had. You must have had a week where you slept like five hours between. I did. I had one week where we had six murders in a week. Fuck. And I didn't sleep for
3: like a week. But that's not. I mean, you need to and be. What, that one night when I, this is funny. This is really funny. I'm in bed. Finally, I'm and I died. I'm like, poof, I'm a dead guy in bed. My wife is laying there. She, you know how the, the noise a phone makes when it's off the hook? Dan, yeah. dan, dant dan, dan, The fast busy. She woke up and heard that. What the hell, you know? So the phone was on my side of the bed because I was the one that always answered it. So she got up, went around the bed, finds it on the floor, finds the receiver, hangs up, and it rings. Instantly. And she picks up. Hello? you know, And it was, a, it was a watch commander, and he knows her. And he said, Kathy, don't hang up. I'm not going to hang up. Who is this? This is, this is Tom Butler. Oh, hi, Tom. I called Joe, but I think he threw the phone against the wall. <laughs> and, and, and we have another one. Oh, God. She said, he said, you have to get him up. Okay. So I, I'm suggestible, apparently, when I sleep. So the okay, said, Joe, it's time to go to work. Joe, what, what? Time to go to work. I have a test shower. Now, we live, our bedroom is on the second floor of a house. So it takes a few minutes for the hot water to get up to the, to the shower. And it's wintertime. It's cold as hell outside. So she convinces me to get in the shower. She here, I'll turn it on for you. And she turns it on. And it's like, ah!
1: <laughs> it it works. Back at a said, He's awake no. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I guess there is a real you can't really go, no, I'm not gonna show up. No, you no. have to show up every single time. That's right. That's right. I love uh I love that uh there's one thing that really always sticks out to me. I don't know why, because it's it's just one of those details that's so real that I feel like you'd never see in a movie or on a TV show, but you're you're at a drive-thru and you say, Yeah, I didn't really care. I don't really care about food, I eat food to survive. Whenever I go through a drive-thru, I order a number one. That's every, correct. Every yes. restaurant has I still, a number one. I, I still do that. I still do doesn't that. doesn't matter what it is. Nope. But. You know why?
3: They, there's a constant turnover of cooks, right? But number one is the most popular thing they sell. So every cook, even the new guy, knows how to make a number one. So <laughs> I don't make any difference. What do you have? A number one. You know? Oh, okay. Give him that. You know, fine. It's fine. You know.
1: Who are, the, who are the other people who are on the show? There's uh, Ann Irvin, I think her name is. There's Ann a Irvin. Of, There's a couple of yeah. reporters who were yeah. on. And then uh, I, I assume they were working at the time covering yes, these cases. they were.
3: They were at the time. And uh, they're not anymore, but they were at the time. And a lot of my detectives, who were some of whom are still active duty, some of whom are retired. Skip Arms. Skip Arms, he just retired. Mm-hmm. Brian Ritz just retired. Like this year, he retired. And uh, and Graham is still there, and there's a bunch of other guys that uh, appear here and there. You know, uh, you know, JD Walker and Larry Martin and all those guys Mm -hmm. uh, that have been on, uh, been worked with me for thirty some years. And Kathy never even knew him. (laughs) You know, she said, "Who's that?" Well, it's Larry. I don't know Larry. No, you don't. You you know, you didn't work with him. That is incredible. That's so mind blowing to me that you were able to keep everything that separate. Oh, it was, yeah and she knew some of them because they'd come by the house sometimes if they had some issue or whatever and, and she'd meet them that way cuz they'd stop by and say listen I ask you something you know I went to another thing one time I was I wasn't going to that thing I was going to something else but in Colorado as in most states if you die outside the presence of a doctor or outside of a custodial medical environment the police are called to determine method and manner mm-hmm. did you die from natural causes accidental reasons you know, uh, murder, suicide. We had to add a fifth one in the 1980s. Accidental drug involved for the overdose. All right, the use of only four causes of death. Now there's five. And we'd make that determination and then move forward from there. So I had a detective at a suicide, a reported suicide. And he says, uh, I was going to look at another one. Suicide's a popular sport, you know. And I was on my way to another one. And he said, "Can you come by here first? What's the matter? I don't like this. Okay. So I go by this apartment. Go in this apartment. It's sparsely, po- sparsely furnished. There's hardly anything else. It looks like nobody lives there. There's no food in the refrigerator. I mean, it's like either somebody just moved in or they just moved out. The bed has no linens on the bed. It's just a mattress and a box room. It's a pillow. No pillowcase. Guy laying on the bed, relaxed. Gunshot wound to the temple, contents of the head on one side of the bed. I said, what's the deal? I said, there's no gun. That's a problem. You know, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are the EMTs still here? Because I saw leads in a guy's chest. They run EKG leads on mm-hmm. some of these. They stick them on her and see if there's any heart activity, brain activity. Yeah, they're here. Ask them if they kneeled on the bed. Because when you compress a mattress, a gun's heavy. It'll rot- It'll roll under the body sometimes. You know. <laughs> so they said, yeah, he said he kneeled on the bed. Okay. Let's lift him. They'll lift him there's a gun. Okay. It's cocked, ready to go, because he's pulled it already once, you know. So, okay, that's probably we're probably good. But then I'm standing there looking at this guy. And I rotate my head 90 degrees and I said, That's my dentist. Holy he shit, says, what? I said, No, it's my dentist. I guess my appointment's canceled for Friday. Jesus Christ. So I called his office because he has a partner. And uh, I said they they know me, right? Oh, hi, Joe. Uh, Hi. You know, is Dr. So-and-so there? Oh, he's busy with a patient. I said, well, not anymore. He isn't. I'm not calling as a patient. This is professional. I need him on the phone. I need him right now. Okay. So I get him on the phone. I said, your partner is in his apartment deceased from a single entry gunshot, one of the head, self-inflicted. If you have a survivorship agreement, you need to initiate it. You need to notify your attorneys and your banks. And he's hyper on the phone. I said, are you paying attention to what I'm telling you? And he said, yes. I said, okay, well, that's what's going on. So, you know. And uh, that's what they did. Jesus. But, yeah, it's like, you know, it's always
1: difficult. It didn't happen a lot, but it did happen. Somebody you know, and you go, Ugh, you know. I mean, it's, you know, what blows me away about all this is that we're so accustomed to watching theatrical versions of what police work is. You know, it's the alpha male cop, and he comes in, guns blazing, (laughs) and then one guy's a good cop, and one guy's a bad cop. And it's like, it's so binary in the sense of like, this person is all this, or all this, or that. And it, uh... I never
3: fired my gun, ever. Really. Never fired a shot. Never did. I'm proud of that, because if you do that, you're one of them, and I'm not one of them. Now I threaten people with a gun a lot because it sets the tone for the conversation. Sure, of you know? course it does. But it's all it is. You know, it's just I'm pointing a gun at you. I got a badge in one hand, gun in the other, and say, "Hey, you know, guess what's going to happen now?" You know what I mean? So it's like, "Oh shit!" You know, so uh, fine, that's fine, but I never had to shoot anybody. I never wanted to. I would have if I thought I had to save my life. I never believed I did.
1: Yeah, but it's just, it's presented in such a way that, that's eh, no big deal. Shot these guys, took them down, you know. And, It uh, is a big deal. It, it is a big very, deal. It is a very big deal.
3: And uh, guys I know, cops that have been forced to take a life, never get over it. They don't. They don't. They're not cold to it. It's like, oh, God damn. Why, why do you do that? You know, and I always have the same answer for him. You're going to go home tonight. He's not, but that was his choice. You get to go home see your wife. Nature of the work, okay.
1: Was that part of the reason why you wrote the book to get some of this out, or just tell more stories that weren't involved? I just in wanted the to the get show. some
3: of it out of me because it feels better when I do. <laughs> That's all. You know, it's this is all very selfish of me. I mean, it's therapeutic to me. The show's therapeutic, so is this book. I'm trying to feel better. And the way to do that is to talk about it. I held it in for years and years and years never told anybody. And that wasn't good. That was making me an unhealthy guy. Sure. And my wife is a nurse, and she was, uh, has a degree in nursing. <clears throat> she began as a psychiatric nurse. <clears throat> and uh, she, she would tell me, you need professional help. When I returned, she said, "You really, truly do. You've got PTSD to the max, and you." Okay, so another funny story. I identify the PTSD guy—that's supposed to be the guy, you know—in the state of Colorado. Psychiatrist, not a psychologist. I go see him. I'm a retired policeman. I have zero dollars and zero cents, you know, and health insurance for the city doesn't cover mental illness. Oh my God, that's because. Crazy. How long are you going to be crazy? Right, <laughs> yeah. right, If you right. break your leg, you're going to be fine in eight weeks. How long are you going to be nuts? You're right. going to be nuts for eight weeks or maybe eight years. Right. So, so no, they don't pay. So the fee was 400 bucks for one hour for this guy. Whew, that's a lot of money to me. But I paid the 400 dutifully paid the 400 I see this guy. He's a very nice fellow, about my age, a little younger. And he says, okay, we're going to talk about this. I want to know about this and that. Do you have recurring dreams? I said, I do. Could you describe your worst nightmares to me? And those are the five that are in this book. Sure. Take about 20 minutes. So I do. He starts to cry. <laughs> I am comforting him <laughs> on being his at the <laughs> same time. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture? You know what I mean? Who do I speak to about my $400? Did you get a refund? I did.
1: Okay, good.
3: I got the money back and I left. All right, so I go home and my poor innocent wife says, Well, how'd it go? Don't you ever suggest it? <laughs> and she's like, What? You know? So that, that was not a good one. Does moment.
1: more need to be done to provide um, mental health care to people in the department? I think more needs to
3: be done for a lot of things and who's going to do the more and sure, who's going to pay for it. It's right. always good to sit back and say, every child has a right to be alive. I'm a right to life person. I'm, okay. Unwanted children suffer. So what are you going to do about that? Should we bring them to your house? We'll bring 1,200 over to you on Monday. Don't forget to send them to college. Now the following Monday, we'll be back with 1,200 more.
1: Oh well, I didn't mean I wanted to do anything about it. I just Precisely. meant I wanted, I just wanted to, to, say to say something out loud. Could that something good. be
3: done? Yes, right. of course it could. You know? I'm a
1: good person. I need to feel like I'm, I'm a good, good person. I'm a good so I'm going to say things so a good I'm person would say, say.
3: A good person would say, and then yeah. I'm going to go back to what I'm doing, and I'm going to forget about you in 30 seconds. That like,
1: <laughs> that's the reality, okay? pretty much the way it works. <laughs> that's the way it works. So could we? Of course we could. We could do a lot of things. You know what I mean? So the book is called I Will Find You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Solving killer toggle. cases for my life fighting crime. Detective Joe Kenda. I love... That you've been on twice now, and you, you, it, there's always such a gap in our lives when your show's not on. We're like, fuck, when's that coming back? And then it comes back. and <laughs> It's we, back, and here we go again. Oh, yes, we we love it yeah. so much. We love it so it's much. A,
3: it's a study in human nature and its worst possible moments. That's all murder is. It's human nature at its worst.
1: It is, but you're part of the human nature story because we're watching it through your eyes, which is a very calm, matter-of-fact a yes. like really fucked up story about yes. what you have sacrificed to make the community better. You've sacrificed such a piece of your soul to put 400, you know, people away. That's true. And but that was okay cuz I
3: volunteered. I know, I know. I didn't get drafted. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I volunteered. And it was uh, I loved it. I didn't like it. I loved it. To me it was a mission. It was you know, after a couple of drinks, you can convince yourself you work for the Lord Himself. <laughs> You're the murder police. You know what I mean? <laughs> the murder a, police. Yes, that's just the way it is. You know. So uh, that was a, it. Was an interest of mine that I could not do anything else with except just do it, and it drove Kathy, my wife, out of her mind on more than one occasion. But now she's reaping some benefit from it. Now that I am doing this, and I wrote a book, and I've got a TV show, got to go to Ireland. Got to go to Ireland, and hey, I am living proof that even a blind pig finds an acorn <laughs> once in a while.
1: You know? <laughs> so, uh, well, I hope you are getting to spend some um, very nice time with Kathy after all I am. those years. Good. You know, and it's 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 been a it's like
3: wow, you know, you are home. Yes, I am. I live here. Remember, you know, it's uh, it's very nice. Good, very nice. and I don't carry guns anymore, and you know. I don't look at dead people, and so don't wear bulletproof vests. And
1: what do you watch on television?
3: Mm, movies, just movies. Sports, okay. I'm a baseball fan, so I like baseball. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the other sports. I think they've become silly over the years. They changed the rules too much to suit me. Baseball is a pure game. They've changed the rules like very minorly in a hundred years. Baseball is baseball. So you either like it or you don't. But I'd like it. Because it's an actual sport, as opposed to we'll change the rules to make it more entertaining, or we'll change the rules to make more points being scored to sure. keep the audience happy. I, that's not sports, that's entertainment.
1: So, the last time you were on, I was not married, but now Lydia and I are married. So Good for you. You as, were going to uh, get married the last time I saw that's you. That's right. Now, and it happened. We did what we said we were going to do. Yeah, there you so, go. Uh, so, just, just one last piece of advice for someone who's been married for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> My God. Half a century, for heaven's sake! I met my
3: wife in high school. We've known each other. That's been a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I think that their true advice for any marriage is to talk to each other every day about everything. I think what happens is, as you age, you change. You become less emotional sometimes, maybe more emotional, whatever. But there's a change in you. There's a change in all of us. It's the nature of aging. You have to stay in touch with each other. Who are you today? I know who you were yesterday, but who are you today? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Talk every day about everything. And you grow together as opposed to apart. Yeah. If you don't have that conversation, two years later you wake up and say, who are you?
1: Well, that's really interesting considering that you didn't talk about so much for so long. True, but we talked about everything else. Yeah. But
3: it's not about what I did.
1: <laughs> you know? Well, uh, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, the season seven of Homicide Hunter is on now. Yes, it's airing it is. currently through when? When is the end of the season? Now, probably February of twenty eighteen. Oh, that's great. Okay. You know, oh, we got be... months more. Yes, oh. yes you
3: do. Yes you do. Well, I'm
1: so sorry that you uh, went through all that so that we could have incredible <laughs> entertainment. Uh, but just know that that we appreciate it and it uh, on a level where it. it it doesn't romanticize this stuff, and it creates an incredible amount of empathy. And, you know, particularly in a climate where there are murder shows, where some of them are really snarky, you know. Where it's of sort course. Of, it's of like, course. you know, people did die there, you know. Exactly and they're right. There's, not,
3: there's nothing funny about this. No. There's nothing anything about this. And, there are, and people always say to me when they meet me personally, they say, well, you smile. Well, yes, I do. We don't smile in a show. but well, you wouldn't want me smiling if you're loved one.
0: Well, of course, you, yeah, You're you know
3: talking about the worst. It's a ever serious happened. business, you know. So you're a serious. I'm a serious person when it comes to work. Uh, personally, I'm not okay. I'm as friendly as anyone else. I'm the same guy I've always been all my life. What you see on TV is me. That's me. There is no personality issue. No change in me. I'm just me. I'm more sarcastic in person than I am on TV. But other than that,
1: it's me. And you like when people recognize you in public and come up and go, hey, Detective Uh, Kagan? Yeah,
3: I was surprised by it. The first time it happened, season one, I still still had a lot of venom in me, all right, when I retired. Sure. And a woman came up to me in a mall, and Kathy was with me. And she said, oh, hi, I saw your show. I really like it. I said, take your hand out of your purse. And I just looked at her, and she said, what? I said, take your hand out of your purse. And Kathy says, Joe, <laughs> she's just a fan. Oh, <laughs> and this woman turned white. Because be get- in your mind,
1: you, she's reaching yeah. her.
3: You can come out with a gun. Oh, my you know what I mean? God. It's instinct. you know, And you have to get over that. And it took me a
1: while to temper that. Because people will just come up and they'll grab you and touch you. And, oh, they will. Yeah, and I mean, that's
3: you. fine. That's fine now. But it wouldn't have been fine then. <laughs> I'd have stepped back. You know, I would have. Uh, it's interesting when I'm in an airport, you're in an airport with my wife and you're stuffing a cream danish up your nose or whatever it is you're doing, you know, and 12 people come and sit down around you in a circle and they're all looking at you. They know who you are, but they're afraid to ask you anything because I'm not an actor. I'm a policeman. And right. that It intimidates people a little bit. So they, they wait for an emissary. Somebody in the group will have enough nerve to come over and say, hi. And I'll say, well, hi, how are you? You want to sit down? And then when they realize I'm friendly, poof, Everybody see they all come, and that's fine you know we we talk and I'm nice to everybody, pose for iPhone Kathy can take a picture with every phone made <laughs> she she'd take give me your phone and blah, 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 you know those' how they all work the people like a picture, and it's I think it's word of mouth advertising is the best. They tell their friends I met him he's really nice cool. Well, I've never watched that show. I watch that show. he was nice to my nephew or nice to my niece or whatever you know. It's. I think word of average, word of mouth is good or bad, you know, depending how you handle people. Yeah. But I'm pleasant to everyone. Everyone, you know, I always smile and, of course, take a picture. Do whatever you want. It takes thirty seconds and it makes their day.
1: Well, it it it's nice to know that there are people like you out there that are <laughs> cleaning up the stuff that no one else wants to do. So thank hey. you.
3: Oh, you're welcome. They paid me. It's okay. <laughs> Every two weeks, too. And the check always cleared. Every time. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. It was a government check, you know. Well, please come back again. It was Anytime great. you'd like. It was I'll show up. great having you on, and I uh, hope to see you again soon. I hope so, too. All right. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. The yeah. end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs>